Hello everybody and welcome into episode number 106 of the Bible 2021 podcast. We are reading the 8th chapter of Matthew today and our focus is on what faith looks like, what the absence of faith looks like, and the appointed time for demon destruction? Okay. Well, the friends, this is a show where we discuss one chapter of the Bible a day in give or take 10 minutes. Welcome aboard to new listeners in Dubai, United Arab Emirates, Lagos, Nigeria, Harare, Zimbabwe, parts unknown Norway, Nova Scotia, Canada, Maharashtra, India, Monterey, California, St. Louis, Missouri, and Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania. As I always remind you, please check out our, our website, Bible2021.com. And if you have a spare moment or two, leave us a review on Apple Podcasts or wherever you are listening. Let's start out with a bit of a mystery. In our chapter today, Jesus encounters a pair of demon-possessed men, at least one of whom was possessed by multiple demons. Now, these demons engage Jesus and ask him a very compelling question. Verse 29 says, Suddenly they shouted, What do you have to do with us, Son of God? Have you come here to torment us before the time? So, interesting question. A very similar incident happens in Mark 1, 23 and 24, which says, Just then a man with an unclean spirit was in their synagogue, and he cried out, What do you have to do with us, Jesus of Nazareth? Have you come to destroy us? I know who you are, the Holy One of God. Well, there's a few things to notice here. First, these demons know who Jesus is. They realize that he is the Lord and Messiah, the Son of God who has the authority to utterly destroy them. A bit more mysterious is the question the demons ask in today's passage. Have you come to torment us before the time? Well, the obvious question is, what time? To my knowledge, the Bible never directly answers this question, but a pretty good possibility is that the demons know that a time is coming in future history when they will be tormented and destroyed, as is inferred in Revelation chapter 20, verses 7 through 10, which says, When the thousand years are completed, Satan will be released from his prison, and he will go out to deceive the nations at the four corners of the earth, Gog and Magog, to gather them for battle. Their number is like the sand of the sea. They came up across the breadth of the earth and surrounded the encampment of the saints, the beloved city. Then fire came down from heaven and consumed them. The devil who deceived them was thrown into the lake of fire and sulfur where the beast and the false prophet are, and they will be tormented day and night forever and ever. Now, I note here that the passage does not explicitly mention demons among those tossed in the lake of fire, but considering that the devil's angels or demons were cast down from heaven with him in Revelation chapter 12, it would seem to follow that there's a good chance the demons will suffer the same fate as the devil, beast, and the false prophet. It's possible but only an educated guess, that this is what the demon in this chapter is asking Jesus about. Of more importance, of course, at least spiritually, is faith. What does faith look like? And Matthew 8 is a chapter that's really very much focused on faith. And in that chapter, Matthew gives us two great examples of faith and one counter example of faith. So let's read and keep our eyes peeled for every time we mention the word faith. 
Matthew chapter 8, verse 1. When he came down from the mountain, large crowds followed him. Right away, a man with leprosy came up and knelt before him, saying, Lord, if you are willing, you can make me clean. Reaching out his hand, Jesus touched him, saying, I am willing, be made clean. Immediately, his leprosy was cleansed. Then Jesus told him, See that you don't tell anyone, but go show yourself to the priest and offer the gift that Moses commanded as a testimony to them. When he entered Capernaum, a centurion came to him, pleading with him, Lord, my servant is lying at home, paralyzed in terrible agony. He said to him, Am I to come heal him? Lord, the centurion replied, I am not worthy to have you come under my roof, but just say the word and my servant will be healed. For I too am a man under authority, having soldiers under my command. I say to this one, go, and he goes, and to another, come, and he comes, and to my servant, do this, and he does it. Hearing this, Jesus was amazed and said to those following him, Truly, I tell you, I have not found anyone in Israel with so great a faith. I tell you that many will come from east and west to share the banquet with Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob in the kingdom of heaven, but the sons of the kingdom will be thrown into the outer darkness, where there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. Then Jesus told the centurion, Go, as you have believed, let it be done for you. And his servant was healed that very moment. Jesus went into Peter's house and saw his mother-in-law lying in bed with a fever, so he touched her hand and the fever left her. Then she got up and began to serve him. When evening came, they brought to him many who were demon-possessed. He drove out the spirits with a word and healed all who were sick, so that what was spoken through the prophet Isaiah might be fulfilled. He himself took our weaknesses and carried our diseases. When Jesus saw a large crowd around him, he gave the order to go to the other side of the sea. A scribe approached him and said, Teacher, I will follow you wherever you go. But Jesus told him, Foxes have dens and birds of the sky have nests, but the Son of Man has no place to lay his head. Lord, another of his disciples said, First let me go bury my father. But Jesus told him, Follow me and let the dead bury their own dead. As he got into the boat, his disciples followed him. Suddenly a violent storm arose on the sea so that the boat was being swamped by the waves. But Jesus kept sleeping. So the disciples came and woke him up, saying, Lord, save us, we're going to die. And he said to them, Why are you afraid, you of little faith? Then he got up and rebuked the winds and the sea, and there was a great calm. The men were amazed and asked, What kind of man is this? Even the winds and the sea obey him. When he came to the other side, to the region of the Gadarenes, two demon-possessed men met him as they came out of the tombs. They were so violent that no one could pass that way. Suddenly they shouted, What do you have to do with us, son of God? Have you come here to torment us before the time? A long way off from them, a large herd of pigs was feeding. If you drive us out, the demons begged him, "'Send us into the herd of pigs!' "'Go,' he told them. "'So when they had come out, they entered the pigs, "'and the whole herd rushed down the steep bank into the sea "'and perished in the water. "'Then the men who tended them fled. "'They went into the city and reported everything, "'especially what had happened to those who were demon-possessed. "'At that, the whole town went out to meet Jesus, "'and when they saw him, they begged him to leave their region.'" So, interestingly... 
It's a Gentile and a random leper that show us the great example of what faith should look like. First, the leper approaches Jesus with a statement of basic and obvious faith. Lord, if you are willing, you can make me clean. Look, even in modern medicine, leprosy is a challenge and it certainly isn't cured instantly. But this Jesus, this leper knew who Jesus was and he knew that Jesus had the power and the authority to heal him. He also wasn't presumptuous knowing He had no claim or right to the grace of healing. So his statement demonstrates to us both great faith and great humility. He trusted in Jesus to do the right thing, not demanding, and he trusted that Jesus had all power and authority to cleanse and heal. Our second example of faith demonstrates it so well that even Jesus seems to be astonished. A Roman centurion, a leader of roughly a hundred men, comes to Jesus on behalf of his servant. That in and of itself shows great character that a man of that kind of authority would seek out somebody such as Jesus on behalf of his servant, whom the centurion notes is in agony. Jesus asks the centurion a pointed question, am I to come heal him? And the answer of the centurion is astonishing. I'm not worthy to have you come under my roof, but just save the word and my servant will be healed. Again, we see great humility on part of the person demonstrating great faith. And that tells me that there is a deep connection between faith and humility. Pride believes that we ourselves are the source of our solution and our salvation. We can do it. We can make it better. Faith, on the other hand, is more humble. Faith recognizes our own lack of power and our desperate need for God. Even this centurion, a man of great power and authority, knew his place in comparison to the Son of God. But... He wasn't just humble. He was firmly convinced of the power of Jesus, power that could stretch across long distances to do miracles with but a word. Jesus marvels at this amazing faith, and the centurion's servant is healed from that moment. Our final picture, sadly, is a lack of faith. Jesus' disciples have been with him. They've seen his miracles. They've spent time with their teacher. They know he's more than merely a man. Out in the boat one day with Jesus peacefully sleeping away, they encounter a deadly storm. That storm rages, but Jesus is silent asleep. The disciples come and shake him awake, saying, Lord, we're going to die. Of course, Jesus calms the storm, but then asks them a devastating question. In verse 26, he said to them, Why are you afraid, you of little faith? Well, the obvious answer is that there was plenty of reason to be afraid for a rational person. These disciples lived next to the sea. They were experienced sailors and fishermen. That they were afraid does not mean they were cowards. It means that the storm was just like the Bible describes it, violent dangerous, capable of killing them. Their fears weren't irrational, and yet they were slightly rebuked by Jesus for their lack of faith. Why? Because Jesus knew and believed Psalm 121, verses 3 and 4. He will not allow your foot to slip. Your protector will not slumber. Indeed, the protector of Israel does not slumber or sleep. The disciples no doubt knew this passage too, but When it came to the rubber meeting the road, they did not believe it. Faith looks like believing utterly in God and his goodness and not trusting yourself to save you. Faith isn't independent. It's fully dependent on God. Faith isn't presumptuous either. It trusts in God's plan and timing. Do you sometimes doubt God's watch care and his timing? Well, I do. 
I've found the best thing to do to feed my faith and starve my doubts is a steady diet of God's word and fasting from overthinking and over-worrying, which I sometimes have a tendency to do. As Jesus told us a few days ago when we read Matthew 6, verse 31, don't worry saying what will we eat or what will we drink or what will we wear for the Gentiles eagerly seek all these things and your heavenly father knows that you need them, but seek First, the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be provided for you. Therefore, don't worry about tomorrow, because tomorrow will worry about itself. Each day has enough trouble of its own. Well, be encouraged in your faith, brothers and sisters. Let's end the show with our memory verse for April, James 4, 6. But he gives greater grace, therefore he says God resists the proud, but gives grace to the humble. Dear friends, let us walk in that humility. Good day to you and Godspeed.